You're listening to Rise with Clarity, a podcast designed for women of color faculty in higher ed. I'm your host, Dr. Katherine Lee. As an Asian American woman, certified coach, and a former tenure professor at an R1 university, I help women of color faculty manage the tenure track, navigate politics, and take the next steps to advance their careers. Hi, professors. Have you ever seen the diagram that is entitled The Problem Woman of Color in the Workplace? It's a simple one-page infographic that gets shared frequently on social media, and it's also one that seems to have a lot of resonance in the current moment. For this 11th episode of the Rise with Clarity podcast, I want to spend some time discussing this diagram as well as some of its implications for women of color faculty like you, especially as you navigate challenges on the tenure track and work environments that may be less than supportive. This is a tool that was first developed by the Safe House Progressive Alliance for Nonviolence and then further adapted by the Center for Community Organizations, which is a charitable organization whose mission is to support the health and well-being of community organizations in Quebec, Canada. For those of you who are not familiar with the Problem Women of Color diagram, I encourage you to check out the link that I provide in the transcript for this episode. You can find that and more resources for women of color faculty at risewithclarity.com slash 11. But in the meantime, let me describe this to you. In the diagram, you see an abstract image of a minoritized woman wearing a hijab who is hired into an organization with white leadership. The diagram takes her through four different stages. One, a honeymoon period where she is welcomed and feels needed and happy. And then two, the reality where she starts to point out some issues within the organization and tries to push for accountability. Three, the response, where the organization denies, ignores the problem, and places the responsibility of fixing the problem on the women of color. And four, retaliation. The organization decides that the woman of color is the problem and decides to target her, and then labels the conflict a communication issue, or claims that she is not qualified or a good fit for the organization. The final section of this diagram shows the woman of color employee leaving the organization. Pretty stark, huh? Well, rather than presenting this as a foregone conclusion, the Center for Community Organizations, or COCO for short, uses this diagram as a tool as a starting point for discussions about race, racial dynamics, policies, and practices within a nonprofit organization. There's also an animated video that COCO released in 2020 called Walk With Me, A Woman of Color's Journey in Nonprofit Organizations that has an alternative, more hopeful ending, which you might want to check out on your own time. I first came across this diagram in a private Facebook group for women and non-binary people of color in academia. 
When I first saw it a few years ago, it caught my attention immediately. I could not only see some of my own experiences, but those of other women of color faculty that I knew. Even though this diagram was originally intended for women of color in nonprofit organizations, it strongly resonates within the corporate world and also in higher education. I've seen it posted over and over again in private Facebook groups for women of color faculty, as well as on LinkedIn. There's something to this. And there's a longer trajectory to consider here. There are Black women scholars and other minoritized scholars who have been writing about their racialized experiences in the corporate and higher ed workplace for quite some time now. These scholars have spoken and written about their challenges of being recruited into institutions that have not adequately supported them. I'll go ahead and put some of those sources into the transcript. But some of the research topics include things like feeling like the tokenized hire, being labeled as incompetent, being the lonely only in a department at a PWI, experiencing microaggressions and racialized aggressions in the workplace, experiencing the shifting of goalposts for promotion cases, and facing retaliation when pointing out double standards or issues within the organization. And I want to single out here an important study that was published more than 10 years ago by Drs. Keisha Thomas, Juanita Johnson-Bailey, Rosemary Phelps, Mia Tran, and Lindsay Johnson. They conducted research among Black women faculty at the mid-career level, and they coined the phrase pet to threat, which is a trajectory they've observed in their research where Black women were initially celebrated and praised for their achievements in their jobs, only to later be perceived as a threat by their workplaces. And this is a quote from the study. Pets seem to work in environments in which they are given mixed messages of being both valuable and valueless, invisible yet hypervisible. And women who identify with the threat construct may be considered rebels, going against the grain of social roles and expectations. Perhaps not surprisingly, these scholars realized that their research also applied to other minoritized and racialized women faculty in higher education, as well as in other types of workplaces. In the same study, Dr. Thomas and the other scholars also offer helpful tips to women of color professionals dealing with being a pet or a threat, or both. So, is this a phenomenon that you recognize? And if yes, how are you managing this right now? Have you actually pondered leaving your institution in search of one more supportive? In the case of the latter scenario, I've always wondered, what happens to the woman of color after she leaves her workplace? In the diagram that we talked about, for instance, we never see what happens after the woman of color exits her organization. Does she find a better place to work where she can eventually thrive and be happy? And who gets to tell her story? In my own experiences in higher ed over the years, I have heard a few different narratives of why women of color have left their academic positions. She left for a better job. She never finished her book. 
She had poor teaching evaluations. She was difficult. I don't know what happened to her. She just disappeared. She left academia. And the classic, she just wasn't a good fit. What all of these narratives have in common is that none of them were told from the vantage point of the woman of color. How many of us listen to the reasons for departure from the women of color faculty themselves? Now, sometimes there is just silence. This may be because some women of color may be prevented from speaking publicly about their experiences through NDAs, and others may choose to start the page fresh and leave the past completely behind. Regardless, I think this is a question worth reflecting on. Because it's my guess that there is a lot to her story that we can learn from. So for those of you who are currently contemplating a career pivot within your institution, applying for another faculty position, or planning a pivot out of higher ed, what is the narrative that you'd like to tell about your own departure and your new beginning? This doesn't have to take the form of a social media post, although you certainly could choose that route if you like. It could simply be through conversations that you have with fellow academics in your field. Sharing your story one-on-one could help in correcting the false and damaging narratives that often circulate. It can also help to reframe what seems to be an isolated case of the individualized problem woman of color into a pattern that is pretty consistent and indicative of larger systemic issues that negatively impact the growth, support, and retention of women of color faculty. Now, this is just a suggestion, of course. In the end, you should do what feels most appropriate and comfortable for you. Seek allies who can support you in this challenging process, and make sure to take care of yourself in this transitional period. I'm also happy to help, whether that is through my six-month signature program for women of color faculty, a strategy session, or by referring you to relevant resources. Feel free to reach out to me anytime through my website at risewithclarity.com. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Stay strong and stay well. Thanks for listening to Rise with Clarity podcast. If you found this episode useful, please consider subscribing and share it with other women of color faculty. For full transcripts and other resources, check out my website at risewithclarity.com. And thanks to Alyssa Regent, who composed my theme music.